Talk with Ben Tompkins. What's going on, baby? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently, but these are the mixtape days, and we are grinding until we get some sponsors, and I can say, hey, we are presented by so-and-so-and-so, and blah, 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 blah. But until then, we're just solo. We're just solo dolo, just grinding every single week, man. And you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. This week was a tough week. I'm, I'm, I'm in a bit of a rough stretch right now. I don't know, man. I don't know what the hell is going on with me. I thought having the car back and then having the, the studio being done and everything, I'd just be like, all right, great. Um, I've been able to continue on my on my routines in terms of working. I've been working every single day. I mean, I got the podcast done. It took me way longer than I thought it would, this episode. And I really had to soldier through this one. I mean, I really struggled through this one. And I don't think you can really tell. Like, that's the thing. I mean, I'm a little spacey. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling very insecure. I'm feeling very insecure. And I can't even believe, it's like, how, how can you even, how can I even admit that if I'm feeling that insecure about it how can I even sit here and say that it's like that takes an extreme confidence but it's I don't know I I, I, I've been trying to figure myself out for 29 years and I'm still fucking clueless okay it's like I I am in a love-hate relationship with myself and it's very confusing and complicated and I don't understand it at all but I hope to one day finally maybe understand and unlock some of these things that are holding me back because at the end of the day, it's just myself holding me back. And uh, I said, you know what? Despite what I'm feeling, I'm not going to let that keep me from not putting an episode out and not bringing you this week's stories. So here we go. Be gentle. Be gentle with me this week. I think this is a pretty good episode. There's definitely some good stories. I don't think it's my best work. I'm very insecure right now. I'm just anything anything that I do or say is going to be shit. So that's pretty much where I'm coming from. So hopefully you won't think that. This is Uber Stories Part 33, and I've got a few stories. And something that I also did differently on this episode is the open mic concept. I'll get to that in a second. But the stories that we have on today's episode. One, blame religion. This is uh, a former member of the Special Forces shares some insights on the Taliban regaining control over Afghanistan, whether he thinks that stability in that region is ever possible, if this was an inevitable thing, if we were delaying the inevitable by keeping troops there. This guy has served dozens of tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, at one point, he's even like, hell, son, I was even in a desert storm. I mean, this guy's served dozens of deployments. And uh, I was able to kind of pick his brain on the situation going on over there. So that's how we start off. And then pro tips. This is pretty cool. This was a police officer and his wife who were looking to relocate to Louisville. And I asked him, so, you know, I get a lot of people in the car. What are some things that I can key in on? like body language-wise, when I'm trying to decipher what kind of a person I'm dealing with, if this person has good or bad intentions. And as a law enforcement officer for 14 years, working nighttime beats in a couple of major Western cities, he gives me and you some good tips on how to read people and how to understand if somebody has good or bad intentions. 
Then I have a few quickies, a couple of really funny moments that don't really lend themselves to a bigger picture story, but I had to include because they're just they're just funny. Um, and then anti-vax is kind of a two-parter. And the first part is a rider that was in the car that said he was not vaccinated. And I asked him, well, what are you getting hung up on? Like, why have you not gotten it? And just out of curiosity and just hearing what his response was. And you'll hear him talk about why he doesn't want to get it and why he's hesitant to get it. And then the second part of this one is actually one of the people that sat down with me on the open mic and gave me their opinion on COVID and the vaccine and whether or not it should be mandatory for people to have to take the vaccine. And then the last two stories on today's episode aren't necessarily stories, but they are interviews. And these are from the open mic sessions. So what the open mic is, this is a concept that I talked about last week. I uh, had sent away for a tablecloth. And so now I've got this tablecloth that has my logo on it. And this past weekend, I went down to Waterfront Park and I set up my table and my tablecloth. It looks really clean. It's really, really cool. I'm excited about it. But I also set up two chairs and I brought my microphones down and I just invited people to come down and sit down and be like, all right, real talk, here's what I got, and just spit their truth. And um, when I go to Columbus this weekend and next weekend, I'm going to be doing the same thing. And actually, this is pretty cool. I'm bringing my intern with me, and I'm going to be introducing my intern here in the next couple of days. We're going to tape an episode, and I'll interview him and be able to introduce him to you guys, which I'm really excited about. So you get to... uh, kind of meet my intern and why I'm so excited to be working with this kid. But also, he's going to be coming up to Columbus with me this weekend and he's going to be shooting some video. And so I'm going to have some video, be putting some stuff on YouTube. And this is like the next level that I'm trying to take the show in. And maybe that's why I'm feeling a little bit insecure is that... um, There's a lot that's unknown right now, and I'm trying things for the first time. A lot of this episode is going to feel kind of like, to me, it's like it it doesn't feel like my best work because I don't really have a clear and cut and concise vision yet of how it looks. Or I, I have the vision, but I haven't perfected how it sounds, and when things aren't perfect, you know how I get, right? But like progress over perfection. I got to continue. The show must go on. I've got to drop an episode. And so I'm proud of the work that I did today. And I'm proud of this episode because to me, it's finality and an end product and having something to show for these feelings of inadequacy. You know, why am I not good enough? Like all this stuff, like I had to just say, shut the fuck up for an hour and a half, let me get this episode out, and then I can go back to stuffing you down with junk food, which I'm currently kind of in that phase right now. So we're trying, we're trying, you know, but uh, one thing that hasn't dipped is being on the road and getting the stories and trying new things like the open mic concept. So I'm excited for it. And being in Columbus, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I We're going to have an awesome week and a half up there. Uh, I will be there this weekend with my intern, and we're going to be doing stuff. We'll go up from Friday to Sunday, and then I'll come back basically for enough time to flip 
an episode, get that out, and then I'll be going back up solo from Wednesday to Sunday of next week. I'll drive Wednesday and Thursday, and then those two days plus the stuff that I get from the weekend will combine for Uber Stories Columbus, and then I'm staying up there that weekend for Breakaway Festival. So... Not sure if I want to do maybe like Uber Stories Columbus Part 1 and have that be the weekend and then Part 2 be the weekday drives and Breakaway Festival review. Really not sure. There's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure about. And uh, I just ask that you be gentle with me because I'm I'm really feeling it. I'm really just not, not feeling great, Bob. Okay, but um, here we are. So. I hope you'll enjoy today's episode, and despite all that, like I am really, really excited for the open mic concept. It went really well, and I'm excited to get to do it in Columbus. But yeah, it's just like uh, there's I'm just I'm just I don't know, I'm just all kinds of fucked up in the head right now. So uh, I want to go ahead and jump into the stories. So without further ado, here is Uber Stories Part Thirty Three. Blame religion. We'll call this writer Joe, and Joe works at one of the warehouse facilities in Louisville, where he mostly handles order fulfillment now, but before his license was suspended, he was a driver for this company for 22 years. Why was it suspended, I asked? Well, in addition to working for this company, he's also a military lifer, special forces. He served dozens of deployments all around the world, but among the more noteworthy where he saw action were a couple of trips to Afghanistan, a couple more trips to Iraq. He started laughing at one point, and he was like, hell, I was even in Desert Storm, son. I was like, okay, this guy's a badass. Well, during one of the deployments in Iraq in 2011, he says that he was riding in a vehicle when an IED went off and banged him and his boys up pretty bad. He sustained a brain injury at the time, but him and everybody else in the vehicle he was in survived. Others in the convoy unfortunately did not and paid the ultimate sacrifice. So after spending some time talking about that, we fast forward to 2016, and he says he's gearing up for a deployment to Africa, and he's doing all the medical evals when somebody looking at one of his files says, whoa, 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 this guy's brain injury could cause him to have seizures, lose consciousness, we can greenlight this guy, but we need to also suspend his license. Well, Joe was pretty upset about that. I mean, despite initially being cleared and having no prior history of seizures nor taking any medications for that kind of stuff, they revoked his license. So for five years after that, he fought it. And finally, he was able to get that opinion overruled. And he was happy to announce that it shouldn't be much longer now before he can drive again. But until then, he's stuck taking Ubers. And as we continued talking, he told some pretty good stories from being over there and being in combat. And I thought, as somebody who spent a lot of time over there, I'm interested to hear his thoughts on this. So I asked him, do you think that the Taliban regaining control of Afghanistan was inevitable and that we were right to pull forces or do you think it was just delaying the inevitable by staying there? Do you ever think there will be stability there? I don't think there would ever be stability there without a presence. Um, some of the people are great. I think they deserve some peace and some freedom from some of the... Uh, 
that. Um, man, it's a shame, man. And it fell quick. It fell quick. That's what stuck with me. That and his answer about stability. There'll never be stability without a presence, meaning U.S. troops. But should the U.S. be the ones that have to save them? And do they need saving? You know, the U.S. likes to think that, and and Americans, we like to think that we know best and that our way of living should be adopted by everybody else, that we've figured it out. And we have our flaws, but for the most part, I feel like we get it right on a lot of things. But, um... You know, it's like we go to these other places where we try to be the savior, but it's like, do these people need saving? And some people would say yes. Some people would say no that that are in these countries and, and these parts of the world that we enter. And it's like, hey, we're here to save the day. But some people are like, we don't need that, you know? Other people would say, you're wrong. Please help us. But should America have to be the ones that are in that role to save the day? Again, how do you answer that? That's a tough one. Where do you fall on that? On one hand, it's like, look at all the resources that we have. Look at how good we have it here. Yeah, let's help other people. But at the same time, should it be America's job to make sure that every other country is doing well? Or it's thriving? I don't know. I mean, there's winners and losers in life. That's just the way it is. So that's a really, really tough one. Uh, and again, it's like, we have the resources to help. Does that mean that we're then responsible for everybody else? And when America goes somewhere into one of these countries, a lot of times we're imposing our values and our customs and our norms on the people of that country. And a lot of times it just, it's not going to work. You can't force that on somebody. And Joe summed it up in a great sentence later on in this ride. No, you could gift wrap democracy and hand it to the people of Afghanistan, and they would have no idea what to do. We tried, and it seems like a failed mission. And I'm old enough to remember when the towers came down. I was in third grade, and I remember the support our troops magnets that my mom had on our Ford Explorer. I remember cousins serving in the military. I remember my dad being very honorable and proud about being a former Marine. And one of the things that I remember the most is being in eighth grade and almost crying watching the music video to Green Day's Wake Me Up When September Ends. I don't know why that sticks with me, but if you've ever watched that video, it's just so sad when he goes off and he joins the military and then he doesn't tell that girl. And it's a really dramatic part of the video, but little emo me is about to cry, okay? It's just like I remember that. And I remember how much pride there was in being there. And then as we got later and later into the war, and then I was in high school and it was like, whoa, we're still there. But I'm in high school and I'm in middle school and I'm not really paying attention to what is really happening and really not aware of the role that America plays in a global society. And uh, yeah, man, I just looking back on it now, I mean, we were there, what, 20 years and 
Are we in the same position that we were in a lot of play and in, in, in a lot of ways that we're not like we're in an even worse position because one of the things that uh, Joe talked about and touched on was when Saddam Hussein was the leader of Iraq. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. He was certainly committing heinous crimes against his own people, but at least it was one guy and you knew where things stood. Once we ousted him from power, now all these other people started popping up. There was a power struggle, and now you don't know what the rules are, who to be aware of, where shit's coming from. It's a whole different ballgame. So I don't have the answers. I don't. It's sad to see what's happening over in Afghanistan. It's sad how they treat the women. And as we were talking at one point, I said, why do they treat their women that way? I mean, what is what is their mindset about women in their country? And he painted this very bleak picture of how women are seen in their society. I remember going to the village, like, and I don't even remember what year, but like these little boys and girls are playing, and there's still kind of snow on the ground here and there. It's really muddy. It was cold. And... Uh, there's like three little boys and two little girls playing and uh, they're probably like five to seven and little girls didn't have shoes on and the boys did. We found out that they don't give girls shoes because all they're doing is raising them up till they're like 11, 12 years old so they can trade them off for guns, food, money, whatever. They're just livestock to them. They don't educate them. Uh, but, you know, as harsh as that might sound to us, that's the way they live. It was just like slavery back in the day. It's harsh and crazy, but that's what they knew. That was the social norm of the time. Um, well, we can't condone it. It's what they knew. It's still tough for me to understand. It's a foreign concept. I don't understand it. But the thing about the women in their country, I'm like, why do they impose so many restrictions on the women? Sheila. So it really just comes down to religion. Yeah. Is that a fair way to put it? Fair. That's been my biggest takeaway from all of this, is that at the end of the day, this is about religion. It's about a difference of cultures. And I just don't vibe with any religion that says that women should be subservient to men and that justifies the treatment of women in their country as Shia law does. And when you lay it all out, religion is to blame for some of the most heinous crimes against humanity that have been done and justified, and it's done through this lens of religion. Almost all the major wars are about religion, uh, the Holocaust, people say, well, look at the world wars. Those weren't about religion. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we were stopping Hitler in World War II. What was that about? What was he doing? Oh, yeah, the Holocaust. What was that about? Religion. It's like a difference of religious beliefs. And if religion is such a good thing, then why does it lead to all these bad things? I just, I'm agnostic, okay? I I, I, I don't, I, I prove, prove that there's a God, right? That's like my thing is like, I'm not atheist, but... Unless there's no proof, I need proof. I need proof to believe. And I know that's the whole part about faith, but like, you know, I, I just, 
look, my faith got shattered when my parents got divorced. I'm never, ever going to recover from that. So that's just the way that I see it. Um, I don't agree with a lot of the things that I was taught being raised Catholic. And I just think, by and large, a lot of our biggest problems in the world all boil down to religion. And I mean, look, if you don't believe me, just go and Google the book of Genesis and read what it says on Wikipedia or anywhere that historians and scholars believe that these are not historical events, but this is more of mythical tales. And who is the Bible written by? White men. And if we've learned anything, it's that white men never lie about anything, right? I mean, holy shit. You're telling me that you don't believe what people say about the COVID vaccine or you don't believe scientists and things that people write down today, but you're willing to believe something that was written thousands and thousands of years ago before anybody was ever around, like something that's just been passed down. You're just going to blindly believe in that, but you won't believe in scientific and and scholarly peer-reviewed journal articles and fact like science, like, come on, dude. It's ridiculous to me. But hey, we hold these truths to be self-evident, so believe whatever makes you feel better at night when you lay your head down. Just don't use that to justify hating people because of their sexual orientation or because of where they come from in the world or what they look like or what they believe. I mean, the ridiculous thing is that the Sunnis and the Shiites, they literally fight because they believe and interpret the same thing just slightly differently. Like, there's much more to it than that, but, like, come on, dude. What are we even talking about? You believe one little different thing, and so now you're going to fight and just have thousands and thousands of years of unrest and killing innocent people? I just, I don't vibe with that. And then, you know, white Christians will hear that and think, well, yeah, well, they believe the wrong stuff. But it's like, God, how arrogant are you, you know, to believe that your white Jesus is better than whatever they believe? Like, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? I don't. If religion was so good, then why does it lead to so much bad shit all the time? So, yeah, food for thought. But... All the stuff that's happening in the Middle East, I mean, look, there's a lot of different reasons, but I look at that, and you know what? I go, wow. When it all boils down to it, blame religion. Pro tips. I always love getting to ride with people and learning about what they do because I feel like I get to learn a little about a lot of different stuff. And when I get to pick people's brains, no matter if they're a doctor or an Amazon factory worker, I feel like I'm getting an inside scoop from an expert source. And this might surprise some of you, but police work has always fascinated me. I know in 2021, it's not the very cool thing to say. Um, But as a kid, I was always fascinated by police work. I always loved watching cop movies. When we did a uh, little exercise when I was in first or second grade, we all were supposed to draw what we wanted to be when we grew up. And there were these two kids that grew up 
in uh, Oldham County, and their names were Andrew and Tommy Farrell. They were twins, and they were from somewhere on the East Coast, New Jersey or New York, and their dad was an FBI agent. And I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. And when I did that exercise, I drew this guy in a suit with a badge on his belt and a little thought bubble coming out of his mouth that says, I'm an FBI agent. And I always, I don't know, um, I always just thought that was cool. And uh, <laughs> whenever I would play cars as a kid, you know, I, I, I was like into different things as a kid, you know, sports, um, action figures a little bit, but really what I loved was playing cars. Anything that I could use my imagination, that's really what it was, I think. And I had this big, massive car collection. And for some reason, man, something about the cop cars, they were always just so cool to me. And getting different cop cars from different cities. Um, the San Francisco, you know, it's 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 funny. I start to trace all this stuff back. But I, I guess I've always been kind of interested in San Francisco because I used to look at a cop car that I had. And they have an old school sheriff badge looking logo uh, for the SFPD. And I remember playing with that car, and I would always do these really long car chases. <laughs> and I would set up these big, like, lines of cars that would be in traffic, and it would be a police chase. I was always setting up a police chase, and then I would have my army figures in some kind of a barricade situation. I don't know what it is. Uh, and, and actually, writing the story out, I texted my mom, and... Um, I said, wouldn't it be wild if, because she's like, oh, you always used to play with the, the, the chases and, 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 and just do these big long lines of traffic. And I'm like, wouldn't it be wild if two-year-old me, two-year-old me at the time that O.J. Simpson and the Bronco chase is happening in 1994, I would have been two, wouldn't it have been wild if I was subconsciously watching that and not understanding or registering the significance of it, but watching that on television with you and, and, and whoever made me think that's what police was. That's what a police chase was. That's what police work was. It was like this big, long convoy and chase through crowded Los Angeles highways. Like, wouldn't that be wild? No. That's a stretch, but but I just I, I I can't I can't explain it I can't explain it okay, but I've always had this big fascination with police work, and uh, when I was in the University of Kentucky, one of the things I double majored right I was a journalism major, but I also majored and declared my first major actually as sociology. I've always just been really fascinated by different aspects of crime and law, and I think I would make a fucking phenomenal lawyer. But uh, I think I would probably burn out and hate my life, so that's why I don't pursue that one. But like, these interests have always been with me. And so anytime I get to meet anybody that works in law or in police work, I'm always fascinated to kind of pick their brain and just ask them whatever comes up. And one of these recently happened where I had a police officer who was in the car with me, him and his wife, and I got to pick his brain a little bit. And he gave me some general tips about understanding people and reading body language that I think anybody can find useful. So we'll call this writer Woody. 
just like uh, Sheriff Woody from Toy Story, baby. (laughs) So Woody and his wife had just parked their car at a storage facility, and we were headed to the airport. And they lived in a major western city, and he was about to relocate to beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. But before I knew that, and we're riding along, I said, so what do you do for work? Woody says, oh man, I was in the military. I'm a former Marine, and now I've been in law enforcement for 14 years. I spent nine years in Los Angeles, and then four years in the city that we're moving from. And I always worked a nighttime beat. So I'm thinking, man, okay, two major cities, nighttime beats. This guy probably has some pretty good stories. And this is also where I'm thinking, okay, as a cop, this guy's probably low-key profiling everybody that he meets. So I wonder what kinds of things he looks for when trying to determine what kind of person that he's dealing with. So I said to him, as you can imagine, I get a pretty interesting cast of characters in this car. So what are some of the techniques that I can use or things that you key in on when you're trying to understand who somebody is and if they generally have good or bad intentions? Yeah, so if somebody usually has ill intentions, they're really fidgety. Like, you'll notice them. Like, they'll talk to you, but they won't look at you. They'll be over here. They'll be trying to, like, not let you key in on their facial, like, signs. Little things like that. Uh, Hands in the pocket. Just insecure behavior. Hmm. Like, trying to hide within themselves, I guess. I don't know how else you describe it. But, yeah, because they know they're... Nobody feels good about doing bad things. They never do. We're not programmed that way. We're programmed to be good people and do unto others as we do unto ourselves. So when somebody steps outside that norm, it creates insecure responses from them. You can tell, like, you start asking them about it. So, like, where are you going? What are you doing? And they start trying to change the subject. Like, oh, nothing, man, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of vague. Like, like I'm, I'm willing to tell you, like, oh, we're going to the airport. We're doing this. I have a plan. I have legitimate intentions. So I have nothing to hide. Right. That's what I'm nothing to hide. Can you tell pretty quickly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eye contact is huge, man. When you first meet somebody, if they have ill intention for you, they're, they're not even going to look you in the eyes more than one, two seconds. Even just when you're just kind of doing civilian stuff. I mean, you're just somewhere and you meet somebody and you're just like, I wouldn't trust this person because they won't look me in the eye. Yeah, yeah. I, eye contact is such a huge thing. If you respect someone and you don't have ill will against that person, you have no problem making eye contact. There's nothing to hide. But, I don't know, people don't want you to see what they're doing. They want to be mischievous about it. That element of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to hide it. Like, oh, nothing, man. You know, I'm just doing this. Like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> and I'll try to pry more information and see if I can, like, thoroughly establish that. Like, okay, you really don't want to look at me. <laughs> and I said, I got to think that this is like a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, do you ever turn that off? You know, and he said, no, not really. I mean, I I find myself profiling people no matter what. And as a recent example, he talked about searching for apartments and asking questions like, so is the water bill individual or do we split that amongst tenants? And he said the lady that was showing him around was like, oh, well, um, you know, we try to split it up and, and was super vague and was looking away from them and she was fiddling with her paperwork And he was like, yeah, we are not going to rent from this lady. Like, she's full of shit. We can tell. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. You know, that's really interesting. So the next time that you meet somebody, 
and you're trying to get a feel for them. You know how you talk to people and they say, oh, they're a really good people person or, oh, how could you tell? Like, what do you have this, these instincts? Where do you get those from? I think these are things that you can use to then try and figure somebody out, which I'm always just, I don't know, I'm fascinated by that. That's, I mean, a lot of the reason that I do this show is understanding why people tick. Like, that really interests me. Why we are the way we are, how we are the way we are. I'm just infinitely interested by that. So, now, of course, okay, I couldn't let this guy go without asking him for some stories from working the nighttime beats. So I said, so working the beat, do you have any stories from times you were scared or like what was the most intense situation you were ever in? Give me that story. Oh, man, I I guess it got scary after a while, dude, because you'd see these guys, like the Mexican cartel shit coming up through Southern California and... They have better gear than us sometimes. It's a multi-billion dollar industry getting drugs across the border. And we'd see them like coming up from Tijuana, like armored convoys. They'd have like 12 Hummers, all bulletproof. Like you could tell, of course, they didn't have the, the gun mounts visible, but there was definitely a circular cutout on the top for it. Yeah, and you're, when you see shit like that, and you're, you're pulling over people that got RPG launchers in the back, and you're just like, man, like, this isn't Afghanistan, this is right here. What the fuck? It's like a police state. Yeah. Military kind of. Oh, yeah. I think their government's given up on it. They can't control it. And it's unfortunate because the 10% of LA or California, the, what we would call the industry people, Hollywood and all that, they're just tossing money at it, man. The Coke and all that stuff, heroin. They, they just feed that machine, and that machine is just getting bigger and bigger. You'd almost have to take Hollywood and that part of it out of the equation for the market to be erased, right? <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. It's scary. It never touches them. They're the customer. So. There you have it. I thanked him for his service, and I thanked him for his pro tips. Quick review. If you're trying to decipher whether somebody has good or bad intentions, check for body language. Are they looking at you in the eye? Are they fidgety? Are they standing still? Do they seem tense or uncomfortable? Why? What reason could they possibly have if they're not hiding something? And then what he was talking about, hands in the pockets, trying to minimize space, those are signs of hiding in plain sight. They're trying to they're trying to disguise and not be discovered in whatever that they're doing. So these are some things that you can start to key in on if you're feeling somebody out. And this happens all the time. You know, somebody approaches you in the in, in the grocery store and you're like, what is this person coming up to me for? Somebody approaches you in a parking garage, you meet somebody at a business dinner and you're like, is this person just a slimy sales piece of shit? Or is this person actually legitimate, you know? These are all things, whether it be on the streets or in business or in dating. I mean, women, these are some good tips for you if you can't get a straight answer out of a guy and he's being super vague about stuff, that's probably a red flag. And sometimes we know this, but it's always good to hear these things reiterated, and especially when it comes from an expert like my man, Woody. So there you go. Now you're an expert too. All right, couple quickies here. 
These ones are too short to, to really be their own story, but too good not to include in the episode. So um, the first one really isn't even a clip. It's just uh, more of an observation, I guess. It's it's cool getting to do this and being downtown, especially when there's something going on downtown. I'm usually one of the first people to know about it because what happens is people will be staying at one of the hotels and if there's a conference or something along those lines, people are in town for an event, I'll know about it. And it's it's fun because I'll end up picking up over the course of a weekend, maybe three, four, five, however long I'm driving, times however many groups of people that I get that are all in town for some cheer competition or some conference and it's 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 kind of cool. I'll be like, oh, you're the second person or third person that I've talked to that's been doing this. And one of the things that was happening this past weekend was there was a, I guess, sales conference for a company called Prove It that I had never heard of before. But everybody that I talked to was really hyped about the fact that they were one of the main sponsors for the Lou City FC soccer team. So if you drive by the stadium, Lynn Family Stadium, you'll see Prove It as one of the sponsors that is visible from the highway. And you'll go, what the hell is that? What is Prove It? Well, I guess it is a uh, line of drink products, and it's a mix. And if you've ever heard of anybody talk about doing the keto diet, keto is short for ketosis. It's, it's a state that your body goes into. And my brother's eating keto. I tried it for like a couple days. I mean, it, let's put it this way. Like any diet, it takes discipline and meal prep. And what keto is, is basically this metabolic state, but it takes a really long time to achieve keto. The body can take a long time to get into keto, sometimes up to a week and a half. But what some of these people who were in town for this conference were selling is a drink mix that you drink whenever, you know, in the morning, let's say, and then within 30 minutes, it puts your body in ketosis, which is like this fasted metabolic state. And some of the people that I talked to have lost 30 to 40 pounds on it. There was a guy that got into the car that said he had lost at least 25 pounds in a very short amount of time. And then that was like Friday night. And then Sunday, I spoke to another woman that said she had lost like 40 pounds. And I was like, wow, this stuff is pretty cool. And uh, I was lucky enough because I was like, well, do you have any samples? And one of the guys was like, yeah, you know, I keep that motherfucking thing on me. And he pulled it out and said, boom. And I got to try the cotton candy mix. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And uh, there is caffeine in it. Um, between that and my daily Adderall intake, I mean, I, I did feel pretty locked in, felt pretty good. But they are expensive. And, you know, I get frustrated when when... Um, groups will sell things at a quantity that makes you go, what the fuck, okay? Because like pre-workout's bad enough where it has like, you'll buy one of those mixes and it's like 20 servings. And you're like, dude, you know, I spent $40 on this thing for not even a month's worth of this stuff, okay? Well, same thing with this. You gotta buy, they come in like uh, quantities of 20, and it's $130 for 20 of them. So I'm like, okay, so if I bought three of these things and got 60, so a two-month supply, you're telling me I'm dropping close to $500? <sighs> That's a tough pill to swallow, my friend. Or in this case, a tough mix to swallow. 
But you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there are undeniable benefits of ketosis and and the keto diet. And look, Americans are looking for any type of shortcut that we can possibly take. So you're telling me that I can drink this mix and instead of trying to keep up with meal prep and keto diet, which is very restrictive, and it's going to take me a week and a half of doing that just to get my body into ketosis, you're telling me I can drink this mix and in 30 minutes I'll fucking be in keto? I'm taking that. I'm taking that every time. So, I don't know. We might... uh we might, we might try to see if there's something to that, but uh, yeah, prove it. I met some prove it guys and some prove it girls, and that was pretty cool. Now, this next one, we do have a clip, okay? We do have a clip, and I always find it funny, not funny, but like it's almost ironic. It's, it's, it's funny because it's almost ironic, right? Is like you're not expecting what comes when somebody sends you a text message that says, you know, through the app, hey, I'm looking for you, I don't see you. And the one time I, I referenced this is because it was ironic because the person that sent that was a blind person. And they said, I'm looking for you, I don't see you. And they're blind. And I pull up and it's a blind person. I'm like, oh, you were looking for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you wouldn't have seen me, right? Now, I could say that probably because I am blind and suffer from visual disability. So, you know, it's like... uh you know, I get a pass, right? There, there you go. I get the blind person pass. There you go. But um, I had another blind person that got in the car and texted me to say, hey, I'm blind. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now, I can poke and prod and have a little fun there, but I take it very seriously. And when I pull up, I make sure that I'm able to use my voice to lead them to the car, and if they need help getting in, then I help them get in, and I make sure that uh, my people get into the car safely. So as me and this rider are going along, I ask him if he had some kind of an incident that made him blind or if he was blind from birth, and he told me that he was born with some kind of a, uh, a diagnosis, essentially, that they they knew that there was a possibility that his retina could detach and if that happened then he would go blind and basically one day that happened and then he went blind and i said man that's tough and his response was great i mean great attitude but it it in in his response and and then my response to his response made for a pretty comedic moment take a listen I don't know, I ended up going to law school and I'm doing better than either of them, so I think, I think it works out. Yeah, but how can you watch porn? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Got you there. <laughs> I'm fucking terrible, man. I just, but, you know, look. You, you had to be there, you know what I mean? Like, based on just the way that the conversation was going, uh, I know what I can get away with with people, you know? It's like, and I'd sometimes if they react poorly to it or offended, then that's even better because then it, it, it creates tension and drama. And then it's like, I really have some fun with that. But look, my guy's a good sport. And I just, I love throwing some curveballs in there like that. You know, you gotta, you gotta stay on your toes with your buddy Benny T here because he'll definitely keep you, keep you nimble and keep you moving. But, uh, you know, I, I just, hey, we like to have fun. We like to have fun around here. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, and the final quickie that we've got was uh, this is now you want to think that that's terrible. This is really terrible. There, this is awful. This is this is bad. Okay, uh, sometimes there's just stuff that is funny, but you can't explain why it's funny. It's like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person, but why am I laughing about this? You know, have you ever found yourself in that moment where you're laughing at something that is just totally inappropriate, but you just can't stop laughing for whatever reason? It's just funny. I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. I know, I know, I know. Um, but here was a clip where these writers got in, and as they're talking, uh, I think I kind of start to laugh based on the fact that she's kind of laughing when she's telling the story, and then I'm like, this is, why is she laughing? Now I'm laughing. I can't stop laughing. Wow, we're terrible people. This one's funny. My haircut this dude here today, and he said that it's not funny, so I don't know why I'm laughing, but he said that his neighbor got shot and killed on Friday. Um, but they, <laughs> You're laughing a lot about that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like, but they thought that it was a, a car accident. It was on Jackson Street because he wrecked the car really bad because he was shot while he was driving, I guess. And then, like, smashed the car, so I just thought it was a car accident. And then they realized that he had, like, gunshot wounds. <laughs> you guys are fucked up. You guys are laughing at Again, I really don't know why I'm laughing. I don't it's not funny. I was an asshole. But, like, Jesus. But yeah, it's like really weird. Oh god. God. I think he was actually my neighbor too, because that guy's funny. I was like, damn, that's some rough shit. <laughs> now, I don't think that I would have laughed as hard as I did if it weren't for the guy who was like you guys are fucked up and like I absolutely love that we had somebody there to give us that reaction because then it even made it funnier to me it's just like I don't know I got a sick sense of humor sometimes I'm definitely into some black comedy uh but yeah she starts laughing and that's 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 why I start laughing is because it's like why is this person laughing when telling the story but now I'm laughing with her and now I can't stop and now I've got this guy like god you guys are sick and now it's just even funnier it's like whoo I'm going to hell I'm going to hell in a handbasket yeah yeah but uh you know at least I'll have a VIP section and uh i'll have some bottle service give me that ciroc and red bull and we're gonna be down here for a while so get cozy but oh my god that was yeah that was funny that was good shit anti-vax the beauty of this show is its relevancy just like when something's going on in the city and i'm one of the first ones to know about it if something is on the forefront of america's mind I'm going to be one of the first ones to know about it. Because if something's hot or in or popular or trending, it's likely that it's going to be talked about in discussion with strangers. You know, you meet somebody and you're like, hey, how about this weather we're having? But lately, thank God, those mundane conversations are done. Usually what's taken its place is COVID, protests, social injustices, 
well, maybe you don't get into social injustices with somebody that you're standing in the Starbucks line with, but usually it's surrounding one of these big hot button topics. And one of the things recently that I've been speaking with with a lot of people is the vaccine. And when somebody says, yeah, I'm vaccinated, or when someone says, I'm not vaccinated, I'm just curious to know and really get a feel for what is holding people back from getting it if you have not got the shot, right? I don't think that it's my job to sit here and preach to people about what you should and shouldn't do. But I do have some thoughts about the vaccine. I am fully vaccinated. And when I meet people, like I said, I'm not here to preach and shove shit down your throat. I'm just here to be a conduit and a mouthpiece for both sides and just try and create a pretty fair and balanced picture of what people are actually saying. And here are two stories from two people that are not vaccinated, don't really feel like they should have to get the vaccine, don't really want to get the vaccine. And I was interested to know, well, why do you feel that way? And not judge and not be some liberal douchebag, which I feel like a lot of times liberal media and, and, and liberals will shout and be pissed off and be outraged and act like you're a good person or a bad person based on what you do or do not do when it comes to this stuff. But, you know, I, again, I'm just here to listen. I'm just here to listen and, and tell some stories. So this first one was one of my guys who was riding with me that said that he had not gotten it. And I just said, hey, what's your holdup? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm 52, man. I just, I don't think, I don't think I'm at risk. I'm healthy. Um, I don't know. You got yours? Mm-hmm. Did you get the J&J or? Uh, Moderna. Okay, so that's two. Mm-hmm. Did you feel weird after that? I mean, are you having, like, not at all. Well, like going out and driving through a crowd of people or anything? <laughs> I mean, you hear things, you know, people, everybody's talking about stuff. Sure. I don't know what to think anymore. I think that's the biggest problem we face today as a society is that we don't know what to believe anymore. With all of the Russian interference and the rise of fake news, and you have two media outlets on both sides that are just like regurgitating what their base wants to hear. And at some point down the line, they realized, hey, if we appeal to everybody, then we really appeal to nobody. So let's just hone in on our people and give them what they want, and we'll make money. And the media is for profit. Now, there are independent media outlets that exist out there, and but like by and large, you don't know what you're getting. And for somebody, especially older people, it's really hard for older people to discern what's real and what's not when they're reading something online. It just... It just is. If you're offended by that, I'm sorry, but it just, it's true. My grandparents are way more susceptible to fake news and fake articles, and they weren't taught how to read into if something is a credible source or not. You know, millennials, Gen Z, and and a little bit of Gen X, uh, we had to figure that stuff out because we had to cite papers using MLA format and we had to realize what was a credible source and what was going to pass with our teacher and what wasn't. And then me being trained as a journalist in school, that's really where it was stressed to me, credible sourcing. 
that was a really big, important thing. It is. It's one of the most important things about journalism is credible sourcing. So I, I know this stuff, but older people, if they're looking at something on their phone, it's really easy for them to get got. And you see older people all the time sharing obviously fake stuff from fake outlets, but they just weren't trained to look at things like the IP address at the top. And is it actually matching up with what the, you know, the, the website is, or is it a fake thing, right? Like, people don't think about that. But, and listen, younger people, they are just as susceptible to it, and I definitely see a lot of young people spreading a bunch of dumb shit. Fake articles, they get got, and I just unfollow those people, because it's like, you know, to, if you're not going to take time to read or actually pay attention to what this is, then you're just spreading stupid stuff. And I don't have time for that. I don't want to read that on my timeline. But I think for all these reasons, we don't know what to believe anymore. It's just tough, man. It's just tough. It's just tough. And so you get a group of people that are like, well, I don't know who to trust. I can't trust the media. I can't trust what I read online. And sometimes... If you're one of these people who are in that boat, if you see one person on your timeline, on your Facebook, talking about, oh, I got the shot, it was this, this, and this, it was terrible, or, you know, like bots, like people read stuff that bots and fake accounts will say, and those accounts are placed in society to erode society. It's literally to get people to believe one thing, and it's just disinformation. And I think the 2016 election showed how susceptible we all are to reading and falling for fake news. So, yeah, it's a tough time right now. You really got to kind of know what's going on. And it's tough to know who you can trust. But I- I'm going to digress from that to get back to the story. Because one of the things that uh, my writer right here says is one of the actual best reasons that I've heard for people being hesitant about the vaccine. Listen to this. I just What I don't like is the fact that there's no accountability for it. So, like, if something happens to anybody that's got that shot, hey, it's not, it's, nothing's on them. There's no coming back to it. There's no, hey, uh, you know, my right arm's not, I can't feel it like that. sidebar i wish there was a way to key in on some of their petty beefs that that, uh, happens day to day within their workspace just those two people man i wish i could have gotten some of those stories but you know look that's the whole point is don't be that person that turns somebody off from probably doing it like this guy even said like i'm probably gonna get it to be honest but people like this chick that i know that i work with turns me off and makes me not want to get it so don't be that person 
Don't be that person. And just know for a fact that no matter what, these conversations cannot be had on social media. It's just not going to happen. So have these conversations with people that you know or people that you don't know in person and know that nobody on social media is ever going to say, you know what? Good point. You're right. (laughs) Nobody on the internet ever says, hey, you changed my mind. No, that's never, ever what happens. So just know that. Now, I want to transition into one of the guests that I had come and sit down on the open mics. Now, this was pretty cool. And this was the second person that came and sat down and talked to me. And these open mic clips are a little bit longer, about eight minutes, but these are more of the conversation that we have, the back and forth and the dialogue. So T comes and sits down and wanted to talk about COVID and the vaccine and whether or not it should be mandatory. So I said, all right, T, what are we talking about? How people are getting fired for refusing to take the vaccine. Um, I haven't had the vaccine. I'm against taking it. Uh, I don't feel as if you should have to. And real talk, I feel like that's not, we're not free if we can't have the decision to not do something that we opt out to do. And people are losing their jobs, their stability, their livelihood for not following certain agendas that don't align with their own self. Mm-hmm. Real talk, I think it's messed up. Real talk, I think something needs to be done about it. Real talk, I feel like <laughs> people have not been able to speak their truth. They haven't been able to be themselves. And the world tells you to be yourself. You be yourself. And then they tell you you're doing it wrong. And real talk, I'm just trying to be free. And my free may not be your free. So it doesn't mean you should not respect my free because it doesn't look like your free. Sure. Good stuff. What is your hang up about the vaccine? Are you scared to get it? I'm not afraid of it at all. I just feel like it's I believe some people are actually immune to it, so they don't need to actually have it. But for myself, I just don't feel as if it's necessary. Like, I'm just opposing of it because I haven't had it, and gracefully, I haven't gotten COVID. However, at the same time, I know a lot of people have gotten it, and unfortunately, they, you know, succumb to it. But I just, I don't feel like you should have to take the vaccine, period. Like, it's just, it's a choice, like, and we all should have a choice in whether or not we do it or we don't, like... And I was talking to a lady earlier. She said her whole family have, hasn't had the vaccine and none of them have had COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just freedom. Like, I don't really know how else to put it other than it's a choice. And you can't force someone to do something that they don't want to do if it doesn't align with who they are. In most cases, I would agree with you. But would you agree that there's differences in do this thing because it's going to help protect other people versus do this thing if you want to or not? Like if I said, hey, T, pierce your nose, 
you'd be like, no, I mean, that's my choice whether to do that, right? Right. But if I said, yo, T, don't get shitty and then get behind the wheel of a car, you're going to be like, oh, you know what? That's a good idea because if I get shitty and get behind the wheel of this car, I might put somebody's life at risk. I might fuck myself up. You know, there could be some really bad shit that happens, right? Right. So when it comes to medicine and there's like this new disease and they're like, yo, T, take this shot so that even if you get COVID, you're not going to get that sick. Okay. Your body will hopefully, whatever's in this vaccine is going to protect you from that. But also if we can get to this herd immunity, then we can help other people, I guess, from, from spreading the virus and it's just going to protect you. Right. I understand your perspective. However, I still disagree. I, like, I, like I said earlier, I know some people are afraid to come outside. They're afraid to actually do things because they know certain people haven't gotten the shot. But I honestly don't believe if you surround yourself with people that you're just going to to get it. Like, I don't think it's a it's a protection measure like some people can get it some people can't and i feel like if you choose to get the shot you choose to get the shot if you don't get it you don't get it i mean i I just still feel the way that i feel about it because okay like for example if you work at the hospital and you're refusing to get the shot Mm -hmm. But you work around all of these people that are coming in, supposedly, that have this disease, correct? But you've yet to catch that disease. So either you're immune to it or it's not transferring the way that it's being told that it is. And that's just my opinion on it. Um, That's it for me. (laughs) I mean, like... I do get what you're saying as far as saving other people, protecting other people. But I strongly feel like the virus was created. So, really, who's trying to protect us? I got you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things that you have to believe along. Like, where did it start? How is it spread? Who can get it, right? I mean, you're a young-looking person, so you're probably not too badly at risk as some of the older population in the country, right? So even if even if you got it, maybe it doesn't affect you the same way, right? I haven't had it. I've been lucky. Um, my mom had it. She got sick for a couple weeks, you know? But uh, I drive for Uber. Mm-hmm. And I talk to people from all over the city. And I've talked to people who have said that they had it and tested positive and they didn't even know that they had it. And then I've also talked to people that were like, I was on a ventilator for a month. Like, my family straight up was in the hospital bed thinking they were saying their final goodbyes type shit. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't feel like it's, you know, the only thing that, that I understand about like this new Delta variant is that that's kind of happening because enough people didn't get the vaccine Mm -hmm. or some people got the first dose and then not the second one. And then once they got it, 
it kind of mutated and became some kind of a other thing. Like it was like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing what's going on with this vaccine. Now I'm going to change a little bit, right? But I don't know. I mean, it's not my job to sit here and preach to people, right? Right. I would say do your part. And if it means opening the country back up and we don't have to, you know, face any more shutdowns, then maybe go get the shot. But we believe what we believe. I'm just opposing to it for myself. I'm not speaking on the behalf of everyone else, like sure. the general population. Sure. Like if you feel that you should get it, go get it. But I know I'm not the only person that feels that they shouldn't have to get it. Definitely you know, not. You know what I mean? No. And I think we spent so much time like by ourselves, like in isolation not spending time with people, not being able to actually commune and be together to where now it's like people are able to finally do that again. And it's a sense of freedom outside of being locked down again in your house and sitting six feet apart from your daughter or your son or your mother. You know what I mean? Like it's, I just, I think it's, it's kind of like a, a separation tactic, like to keep, people away from each other so how are we gonna bring each other together at this point after all of this quote-unquote COVID madness right so that's my real talk I love it and it's been good talking with you thank you for sharing yeah for sure have a good one I appreciate you how are we gonna bring people together we're gonna bring people together by having conversations exactly like that and I do agree with what T said there, that if we're not free, if we don't have a choice, right? But I think that applies to things like religion or where to live or where to go to school or what we want to do for a job. Those are things that you are free to choose. But when it comes to issues of public health and safety, I don't think it should be up for debate. And we differ in that opinion. It's not a choice. And I get that you don't want to do it, And I get that it might not align with who you are or what you might believe, but if it's what's best for everybody, you got to do it. You just got to do it. Wearing seatbelts, wearing clothes in public, washing your hands, smoking indoors. You know, these are things that probably don't align with people who are nudists or people that want to smoke indoors and were pissed off when that started going away. People that don't regularly bathe. It's my choice. It's my body. It's like, yeah, but you smell bad. You know, you can't come to work getting off the elevator and we can smell you from five miles away. You know, it's like there are certain things in society that I think are up to free choice. And then there's other things that are just things that you got to do. Getting the vaccine, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, come on, man, you know, just do your part. Just do your part. But those are two good perspectives on the other side of it. Now, again, just to clearly state for the record, I am pro-vaccine. I am fully vaccinated. I think if it helps us move past COVID and it gets us to a place where we don't have to think about shutdowns and everything, then just do it. Then just fucking do it. Take the shot. But I think the one thing that I allude to in that clip is that there are a lot of layers to this, and a lot of this is based off of what you believe. So if you believe that COVID is a hoax, then you're probably not going to wear a mask or take a shot because you don't believe it in the first place. And if you believe that you've already had it, then you probably don't think that you need the shot, 
right? There's a lot of beliefs and assumptions that we have to make first about this entire situation before we can really start to understand where people are coming from when they say, no, I don't want to take the shot or I don't want to stay inside and quarantine or I don't want to wear a mask. It's like, well, why is that? You know, do you think this is all bullshit or do you think that you're not susceptible to get it or do you think that you don't need the vaccine? Like, where are you coming from? And how do we bring these two sides together? It's only through having candid and honest and open conversations about these things and hearing people out. And you know what? At the end of the day, the beautiful thing is that we can agree to disagree and we can still chop it up, dab each other up, and go our separate ways and be peaceful about it and be kind. Be kind and just listen to what somebody else has to say. And if they don't change our minds, then fine. But at least we can then carry that information into other conversations and get a better feel for the other side. And you know what? (laughs) If nothing else, it helps you craft a better argument because now you can start to talk and speak to different sides of the defense and you can start to craft a better message. So there you go. Those are some pretty good ones. I've got two other people that sat down and spoke to me on the open mic. And this was the first gentleman that actually sat down and spoke with me. He sits down and I said, what's your name? And my name is Javid Ibrahimov. And where are you from? I'm from Azerbaijan. It's a former Soviet Union, but now it's an independent country from 1991. Uh, the city is a capital called Baku. I'm from Baku where... Formula One goes in the past three years, if you watch it. Like past months, I believe it was in Baku. And what do you do for work? I was an Air Force officer. I was first lieutenant. Um, and I was trained, I've been trained here in the United States in 2008. And I was, believe it or not, I was U.S. Air Force interpreter from, um, from English to Russian, from Russian to English. And then I asked him, and when did you move to Kentucky? And that's where the conversation really starts to take off. Javid shares some observations of Americans and how they see foreigners, as well as gives us the realest talk that he's got. I didn't move to Kentucky. I'm just or traveling here. Indiana. Oh, you're just <laughs> I'm here passing by. Yeah, I'm just staying here. The What's the hotel called? The, the, the Grady Hotel. I stay right, right close by to the place. Okay. Um, um, I'm from Indiana. I'm, I'm from Fishers, Indiana. Okay. I moved to Indiana 2018 because of the schools they have. I don't know. If you look it up, Hamilton County, Mm -hmm. Carmel, and Fishers, Mm -hmm. those two suburbs, they're Indianapolis suburb cities, those are top 10 in the United States for the schools, for the life of living. So that's where I stay, yeah. Carmel is a very good football school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm like five minutes from Carmel. Wow. It's Fishers, basically. I mean... It's like between three cities. It's a Noblesville, Carmel, and Fishers. They're like together. Gotcha. Yeah. Got a house in Fishers. Pretty happy because the tax is low here in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, there in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm going to go past this bridge 
is they say like in the middle it goes it, it becomes Indiana. Right. That, that's where I was going and I saw you. Yeah, so we're sitting right outside of the walking bridge entrance and so you can walk across and get to Indiana side. Right now we're on the Louisville side and that's where I have met Javid. 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 That's what they say. Javid. I am not Hispanic. I look like <laughs> maybe I look like Hispanic, but I think it's just because they say it like that, and so it's like the no, first... No, no, no. Let me tell you this. In the United States, if people see foreign people, they think they speak Spanish. So either they start speaking Spanish or start speaking English language loudly, thinking that people will understand it better if they speak loudly. <laughs> so that is the thing I... I I find it funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that everyone, everyone in the world speaks Spanish, that we do have different language. Yeah, I, uh, I speak Russian. Я могу говорить по-русски. I speak Turkish. Turkish он еще белиром, чок юзал. And I speak my native language. Azerbaijan just show yaxshidan shiram. Чунди Азербайджанлиям, Пакистан. How do you say "nice to meet you" in your native language? Танышал магма чок шал олдум. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. I don't yeah. know if I can get that one. Yeah, on the it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, give me give me some real talk. Give me a truth that you believe something about the universe or people or life. Give me your best advice. <sighs> what I believe. <laughs> it's it's hard to say. Like like it's 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 probably be a good man. I believe there's a there's a lot of good things inside of people but communities the, the way the people live you know the especially after I moved to United States two years later I started understanding why things the way it is now here okay so if, if we're talking, uh, talking about um, United States of course every country they have their positives and negatives mm -hmm. so here because of the communities people live, you know, I go to certain community, I see the schools, I see the roads, I see everything is bad. I think like government or the whomever responsible for that community, they, they don't care care about that community. It's, it looks bad. I go to another community, everything is everything is fine, the schools are good. So this thing will continue. Uh, centuries if people or government whoever don't do or make plans about it that just um, to make to make the community better because there are some places like I wouldn't want to go at, at the beginning I got I got robbed here I went to the wrong neighborhood with a shotgun you know but where I'm from Baku you can go to any neighborhood any time of day you will never get robbed Okay, you can go with the kids, midnight, any neighborhood. So that's what I, when I came here, I didn't know that such thing exists. I went to the wrong neighborhood, wrong time. Oh my God, they have a shotgun, they're robbing me, and it was a setup because I was trying to buy a car, they knew I have a cash. But, so, this is the things. And I, I said, I do not have advice. I am not working in that um, position or like a lot of people, everyone here, they have advice. Oh, government, they should have this. They should do this. Everyone you talk to, they have an advice. But you know what? When they go to that position, then maybe they can come up with something. Without being there, just sitting in your couch and giving advice, that will not work. You know, everyone, 
have their opinion. But you, sure. Yeah. This is what I think. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was so pleasure. <laughs> that was so pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. I like Javid. He was a good dude, and his son was with him. Um, he did end up coming over and saying a little something on the mic, but um, yeah, man, we uh, talked for a while, and those were some of the highlights. And then my final guest who came down and sat down on the open mics was named Dorothy. And this one's pretty quick, so I'm just going to run this one from start to finish. What is your name? My name is Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. 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 Yeah. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> so, I've never done this before. Well, this is uh, good. We'll be gentle. We'll be gentle. <laughs> so this is your first podcast, and you came to sit down in the chair and give some real talk. Spit your truth, sis. Yes. COVID is no joke. If you get it, do not. If you know you've got it, do not go out. Stay in the house. Stay away from people. But please, do not sleep a lot. Even if you get tired. That's what happened to me. I slept Mm -hmm. for three days and I wound up passing out, which I didn't know. I don't remember. And I was in the hospital for a week and a day with pneumonia slash COVID. Wow. Believe me, it's no fun. How recent was that? In June. Okay. Day after Father's Day. Wow. So, yeah. You made it pretty far without getting COVID and then, Yeah. Boom. I never had pneumonia before either until then. Had you had the vaccine? No. Okay. Have you had the vaccine since then? No. I don't know if I'm going to either or not because it's 5% chance that you're going to be able to get the Delta COVID anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but I had the regular COVID. How did you feel? Awful. I didn't want to do nothing. It took me a while to get back to where I wanted to do anything. Energy-wise? Energy-wise, walking-wise, and everything. My energy level was down. And then I got tested. My blood work was tested. And my B12 was down to 15 yeah, and my vitamin D was down. So in order to keep your energy up, take you some vitamin B12. Okay. Especially if you got COVID. I probably need that. Just I don't even have COVID, but I probably just need that. If you got low energy, yeah, B12 helps. Sometimes I do. I'm bipolar, so sometimes I have a lot of energy and sometimes I have very low energy. <laughs> it goes like this. <laughs> you're you're a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put. I'm a mountain. I like that. And you're a strong mountain. I work out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So. Are you from here? No, I'm from Princeton, Kentucky. Okay. What's near Princeton? Um, Paducah. Okay, so it's western like 45 Kentucky. Forty-five minutes from there. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And are you up in Louisville for the weekend or? Just for today. Really? I'm seeing my oldest daughter. Okay, nice. She lives here? No, she lives up in Indiana. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're separated. Gotcha. (laughs) Nice. Are you still working? No, I'm trying to find me a job in Princeton. Matter of fact, I'm putting in two more applications this week. Well, good luck. And I hope I get one. Yeah. I'm tired of being broke. Yeah. 
<laughs> Me too. So. Well, what about uh, what about life or people? What about people? Like, what's your number one rule, right? Like, uh, they say that the golden rule, right? Okay, but like, my what? number one rule is treat other people like you want to be treated. If you see someone treating someone bad, just look at them and say, hey, treat someone like you want to be treated. And what goes around comes around. If you give out bad karma, believe me, in the end you're going to have bad karma. So just treat people nice with kind and everything. I like it. That's real talk. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> Dorothy, thank you so much. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> Short and sweet. I like it. I like it. So today was like, uh, think of it as a rough draft. We're going to be continuing to do this more and more. And obviously the audio is much better. The The quality of the audio is much better. Having people sit down. I think it's cool hearing the natural sounds in the background. Now, right there being next to the bridge, you hear some of that traffic. That's just going to happen when you're downtown in a city, no matter where I am, whether I'm here or Columbus or Miami or anywhere, right? But um, I think it sounds a lot better, for sure, and I'm not really sure about the formatting and what it's going to sound like moving forward, but, you know, I, I, uh, I did it. I feel good about it. I think by that third one, you hear me kind of into that groove where it's like, all right, you know, who's sitting down? What we got? What we got? Who's coming? You know, it's just like, I'm boom, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, and kind of locked in and, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. So, and it's cool, you know, it's, it's cool to get to sit down and just meet people. I just, I don't know. I will infinitely and always be fascinated by people and their stories. So, I hope if you are as fascinated with people and their stories that you will continue to come back and listen to this episode week in and week out as we continue to build this thing out and evolve. We've been evolving since June of last year until now. And now that we're starting to build on this open mic concept, how is that going to progress moving forward? Not really sure, but... I know that we're going to continue to tweak it and make adjustments as necessary so that this podcast ends up sounding as good as it possibly can be. So please drop a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy listening to these episodes, go and check out some of the interviews and go and give your boy a follow on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter at BennyTomp18 and also on Facebook and Instagram at RealTalkWBennyT. Everybody be good or be good at it, and I will see you next week. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.